bless you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for the power, the power of the living God, Almighty God, our omnipotent God, Jesus Christ. Not only are you here with us at this moment to overcome, it's because you already overcame. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have conquered evil, that you have taken all of the diseases on you. So we come with a question this morning. What is it we must do to receive and claim the victory that you've already given us? Why have we found ourselves in this predicament all across the world? What it is, Lord, that we can do to shorten this plague? But Father, we already come to you with hearts that are bleeding. Hearts that say unto you, Father, how dare we or others put the blame on you when we are at blame. Lead us, Father. Direct us. Let us have a good word. Father, if we must be as children, those who have to receive your message today that puts us in our place, then, Father, so be it. But don't leave us there, Father. Give us a way out. For that's the kind of a God you are, Lord. You're a loving God, a compassionate God, but you are a God of justice and righteousness, O oh Lord. So, Father, we bow down to you this morning, and we thank you, Father, to let your word resonate to the four corners of the earth, and let God be true in every man a liar that does not speak your truth. We thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name, and all God's people everywhere say amen. Amen. You may be released, please. Thank you. Typically, welcome to Touch Heaven Canfield Church, wherever you're at. Uh, I am Frank Amedia, and it is my honor and pleasure to be the pastor of this church and also to be the overseer, if I might say, of many ministries and churches around this globe. Some of you are tuned in this morning. I give you a shout out and thank you. And we want to bring a word of encouragement to you. We thanks, uh, bring thanks and greetings to our friends that are writing in from all over this country, from those of you I've heard from in the last two weeks and also through the night and early this morning. The Indo-Pak Bible Fellowship Church in New York City, we are with you, Pastor Tariq. We are with you, my brother. And we're praying for you. And we know that you're one of the epicenters of this pandemic we want to shout out to Pastor Anwar and Nita in Pakistan, who, like us, they're locked up in Lahore, and they're still streaming with Isaac Television. In fact, all of the Isaac Television audience is with us right now. Thank you. God bless you in all of the countries that you're in throughout that part of Asia and Sat7. We want to thank Garth and Tina Kuntz and TCT Network, who is so supportive of all that we do and you are family, and we want to thank you for being strong at this time and even changing the formatting of your network to respond to people's needs daily. We want to shout out to Matt Crouch, who's probably watching us right now from Dallas at TBN, and we want to thank you for the work that you do. There are so many, so forgive me if I don't cover you all, our Bishop Vincent and his wife and Kenya with our 35 churches. And our brother Tori in India with our eight churches. 
And all of those that have been linked to us, welcome and God bless you. Typically here in this house and in this ministry, we saturate ourselves in worship until we feel that the Lord has released us. But he gave me specific instructions yesterday. Son, he said, are you always stuck on agendas? And I said, Lord, whatever you say. He said, tomorrow morning, keep the worship brief and then bring it back on later. So that's what we've done. I would like to encourage you to prepare yourselves for communion. And it's going to be a wonderful communion. Now, no matter what your persuasion is, you say, well, pastor, you know, I'm typically taking communion at a Catholic church, or I take it at my denomination, or I take it this way. How about we all agree with one rule today? Let's agree not to be religious with each other. Let's just allow God to be God with us. Because he has specifically given me instructions for this communion. And I believe it's going to be very powerful and important for you. So prepare for it. A little bit of bread, a little bit of juice. And we'll be breaking into that shortly. I had sought the Lord, as many of us have over the last few weeks, as to what it is that we could do. What is the revelation? What is the understanding of what we can do to stop this plague some may say that's bold and would you really pray to the lord that you think you could stop the plague no he can stop the plague but he uses us so i have an answer for you for that i want to get to the good news before we do a beat down of ourselves and to get ourselves in a place that we really are prepared to be bold enough to stand in that gap to stop the plague. His answer to me was, yes, son, yes, you can stand between the living and the dead and stop the plague. I want you to understand that we indeed are battling an invisible enemy. It's interesting how all of the scientists and all of the medical doctors and even our politicians are telling us that be careful, pay attention, heed what we're telling you because the enemy is invisible, really. That shouldn't be something new to those of us who know our God, is it? Or at least know the word of God even better. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, and there's a whole litany of scriptures there that talk about putting on the armor of God. That's a teaching all of itself. However, this one, stands out at this moment. Verse 12, Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, anybody who has had to fight off something whether it's in the military or whether it's in your vocation, whether it's just fighting off something that came to disturb you, to take from you. Oh, I'll tell you, there's nothing like a mother who protects her children. You don't want to touch that baby in front of that mama. You're going to have a long, hard day. And we realize that you don't always do that with a weapon that understands and makes sense at the moment. 
Well, we are fighting an invisible enemy, that's for sure. And we need to take the precautions that we're taking. That's all good. And yes, we too are obliging by the authorities that have asked us to not have congregational meetings, as hard as that is for churches and pastors and people who love to get to the house of God and worship regularly. We're respecting that. But that doesn't mean that we stand down. It doesn't mean that we do not understand and see that our enemy has a name. And it doesn't mean that we don't identify that enemy. And then it doesn't mean that we disarm that enemy. For the weapons of our warfare, they're mighty to the pulling down of these strongholds. There's a word in the Hebrew that says that these weapons that are made will never stand against you. And what it means is if something is made and manufactured, it can be dismantled. So we have the power in the name of Jesus to dismantle this weapon. I want to give it a name. I want to give this thing a name. Oh, you say, it already has a name. It's COVID-19, coronavirus 19, really? But you see, that's only the first name. When you put your passport or your license to travel anywhere, or you're pulled over by a policeman, they're not satisfied with just your first name. They want your surname. Your surname comes because somebody somewhere who had the familiar, the family name, assigned a name to you. My name is Frank. My last name is Amedia. There's a lot of Franks, but there's not too many Frank Amedias. And there's nobody that's made exactly like you are. Well, let me tell you something. This disease is a spiritual thing. Yes, it's manifesting as a virus, and it has germs, and we understand all of that. It's viral. But the source of it is evil. And everything that is evil comes from the father of evil, and his name is Satan. So I've given this thing its rightful name. I call it Convid Satan. I call it the evil one. Call Satan whatever you want. Call him the pursuer. Call him the accuser. Call him the liar, the deceiver, the murderer. All of those attributes are his. So how should we expect him to act differently? So set your mind on the invisible enemy. Yes, to take the precautions that we're being taught to take. Isn't it how so interesting it is that now everybody is obsessed with washing our hands? I learned for the first time, and I'm very young. I'm only 22 years old, if you believe that lie. And I learned very young. I mean, now at this age in my life, the proper way to wash my hands, I never knew. I watched a surgeon on television, and he said, oh, you do this, and you have to do it 15 to 30 seconds, so I find myself being obedient, counting 15 to 30. Believe me, I can do that. And then he said, you go like this, and you get the nails real good, and then you wash it real good, and how often do you do it? As often as you need to. It's interesting that one of the uh, women that was serving in the studios, in the television studios last week in our live program on prayer with purpose on TCT from 2.30 to 4 daily, five days a week now throughout this crisis. She said to me, Pastor, look at my hands. 
And this woman has soft skin, and she's a beautician, and she does makeup and does wonderful stuff in the green room. And I said, oh my, what happened to your hands? She said, I've washed them so much, they're like prunes. I wonder if they'll ever come back. And she said, I've been putting stuff on them, Clorox and things, and we're walking around here in the studio, and we're wiping everything down. We're taking so many precautions on a physical basis to answer to this crisis. But Jesus said something else. Jesus said that it's not so much what is on the outside that enters in, but it's from the inside that enters in. In Mark chapter 7, he said this in verse 15, there is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile him. You see, we need to transform our minds. We need to not get into the mindset of the world right now that's looking at the outside enemy, but we need to look for the inside enemy. Pastor, are you saying that I'm an enemy? Well, there's something inside of you and I called the flesh, and that flesh is the enemy of our soul, and the flesh wars against the soul. There's a raging battle that goes inside each and every one of us that we need to identify just like we did the real name of convid, Satan. You see, to pull down a strong man, to destroy him, you must enter his house and bind him from the inside. And we're going to do that a little bit in our worship as we get to the other part of this session together this morning or this night or wherever you're at all over the world. So we need to understand that Jesus said, they asked him again, what does this mean that something comes from the inside? So he elaborated in verse 17, and when he entered this crowd, crowd, his house, he said, are you not without understanding? Don't you perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed. Listen to this. And maybe, just maybe, we're beginning to understand what we need to do to stop this plague. Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within and defile a man. Beloved, what that tells me is we need to cleanse our souls. We need to understand from God what is it that we must do so that we can stand holy between the living and the dead, which we'll deal with in a moment. How can we deal with a systemic situation in the nation of sin and evil unless we deal with ourselves first. I start with me. I have been repenting like I've never repented, especially as I prepare myself to, to go on television daily to try to be a voice of honesty and comfort and power and holiness before God. How can I pray for people to be healed if I'm coming with unclean hands and expecting my God to do something wonderful? Do we pick and choose our God for the situation? 
Do we try to conform him to our image of what we want and need at a given moment? Oh, it sounds so religious and socially correct. And some of us were very challenged because we come from one persuasion and we're trying to meet the middle and conform. We want to be moderate. We want to be false compassionate to the sense that Instead of allowing God to be God and letting His Word be the Word, we want to modify the Word. We want to say, Lord, that's cruel. I mean, just because somebody says they're that way, they were born that way, I mean, God, you're responsible. Is He? Is He? I had somebody, one of many phone calls I got, and especially the last week, it seems like this thing has just grown a lot of pressure. It's like a pressure cooker. And it's just pressing down and anxiety is coming out. And I'm getting phone calls from most interesting people, some I haven't heard from in a long time. A Jewish fellow from Canada, an architect from Florida, an investment banker from New York, a barber. And the question is, Frank, you, you've been talking about this a long time to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. You've been saying for a long time that we're entering into dark times. Are these the times? And I've said I've been telling people for a while we are in the times. Now, I don't really care about religious doctrine that doesn't conform to the Word of God, but I do have... One comment to those of my brothers and sisters who say that we were never going to see these times. That somehow we were going to evaporate in the world and fly away. And I said, oh my, what foolishness. You see, now we need to be taught in the moment of crises and pressure what we should have been taught in the moment of preparation. I lay that fault upon us as pastors, leaders, and teachers. It's time to really shake loose everything that's religious, every doctrine that confounds God's people, anything that lulls the world to sleep. Yes, he's a good God. Yes, I have all faith to believe that my God is going to overcome this and everything else, but not for everybody. There's a word of God that comes out of Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2. Arise and shine. Oh, I like that. Arise, get up, stand. Stand your ground, be strong, plant your feet, shine. For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, gross Darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen and appears upon you. That's not for the heathen. That's not a message for the pagan. 
That's not for the unbeliever or the misbeliever. What's a misbeliever? Somebody who thinks they believe in God, but they're conforming God to their image. You know how many people tell me, Pastor, I, I know God, but I just know him in a different way. My God, you know, the God I know, he's the God of everybody, and he can conform to this religion and that religion, and I don't want to be harsh, and by the way, I was born this way, and my family's this way, and my grandma was this way. God doesn't care. He's put the world on pause. You know, as I was reading one of the requests that came in from somebody in California, I think it was a couple days ago, over the air, you didn't have to wonder about the despair in the question. The question was very real. I'm scared. I'm scared. What's happening? Do you know how many people are asking what's happening? I mean, they see what's on the news, and, and now they have a whole lot of time. So most people with a lot of time right now, they're watching television or doing something. And, and when you put television on, you can either go to soap operas, which that's really healthy for you. That's really a, a great reality check of morality, isn't it? Such garbage. Or you can put on the news, and the news will tell you the same bad news over and over and over. There's a, a worldometer that's clicking. How many new people have been reported to be infected from around the world? Last night it was about 309,000, I think. Interesting statistics. I'll go through a few with you. Very interesting that people are watching these worldometers and clicking and Oh my God, in, in my community, in my county, there's three people that have this thing. And meanwhile, 20 just died of cancer that same week. More people are dying of the common cold right now than of convid Satan. I'll show you. So why? Why is the world put on pause? Is it because of just coronavirus? I don't think so. And I also want to dispel something else besides the go fly away nonsense. So that we understand we're here and we need to be powerful and we need to know the, world, the word of God and we don't need to look for an escapism. We need to look for an opportunity to stand strong in the world of God and to be those who not only know their God but to do strong exploits in the face of crises. Now, for so long, we've heard. It taught to us that, oh, all evil, God doesn't do evil. God isn't into evil. But yet the scriptures tell us differently. Isaiah cried out the word of the Lord. He says, I'm the God who does evil and good. You see, I prefer to know that God's in complete control. I don't think God needs a messenger boy named Satan to do what he wants to do. Oh, yes, we know where this evil comes from. We know its name. We've named it. We've identified it, convid Satan. However, do not believe that God didn't order everything. The world's not in chaos because God's out of control. And one of the phone calls I got was, how did your God let this happen? My response was, why did you let it happen? Silence on the other end of the phone. Well, I was joking. My reply, I'm not. Because, how can we blame God? 
for the condition of our society, of this nation, and of the world in whole. How many of you know about how many abortions have taken place since January 1 till now? Everyone I ask, nobody has the answer. It's 9.5 million babies have been aborted. I took the worldometer and I, and I took a timing of 10 seconds. Just 10 seconds. Within 10 seconds, 15 babies were killed. 10 seconds. In the same period of time, we've had almost 300,000 suicides around the world. But yet, as of last night, we had 13,000 deaths. Where's the cry out for the lost in despair that don't know their God and so they end their life? Malaria has killed more people than God did Satan. Many more. It's up to almost 80,000. Mosquitoes are killing more people than convid Satan. And how about this? Are there plagues released on the earth? Well, they're calling it a pandemic, but what is a pandemic? A pandemic is something that involves a whole bunch of people in a whole bunch of places. We were indifferent here in the comfort of our nation, just like many nations that aren't in the epicenter of the locust plague that's on the earth right now. How many of you know there's a locust plague on the earth right now? Seven East African nations. Sometimes when the swarm of locusts come in, it's as big as a city. You can't see the sun. It's so dark, gross darkness covering the earth. But they're terrible. They eat everything. They eat the pasture land. They eat the crops. There's nothing left when they're gone. It's wiped out. Seven African nations, including our beloved Kenya. Do you think those people are as worried about the coronavirus as they are about what are they going to eat today? <laughs> In this country, all we hear are stories of going to the supermarket and the shelves are empty and everybody's hoarding everything just in case we can't get food. As I asked the Lord, tell me, what is the pause? And then I was reminded of this. Some years back, Laura Lee and myself and our children, we flew over to Israel. Now, we weren't thinking the right and proper way to prepare for our children, and we went over and, and arrived there on the day of the beginning of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the holy day. Yom Kippur is the day of atonement, a time of repentance. Yom Kippur is one day out of the year that begins at sundown and ends at the next sundown of the following day. And during that day, the Jewish people and the people in Israel, they don't eat, or at least they're not supposed to. <laughs> they fast. They pray. We go to temple. And we atone for our sins. We try to remember them, and if we can't, we just get general, and we send them out. But something very interesting on that typical day in a city as busy as Tel Aviv, 
or Jerusalem, all over the nation of Israel. Not one car is moving. There's no work going on. It's almost quiet. It's surreal. You can walk in the streets, down the middle of the street. In fact, we did, just to be able to do it. Six-lane highway. Nobody. Just some other people walking. Everything stopped. The Lord spoke this to me. He said, son, I have brought upon this earth a Yom Kippur season. Will my people see and will they hear? Tell them. Beloved, we're in a Yom Kippur season. Not a season to just stop and it's wonderful that I hear all of the social predicates and the psychologists and even some well-intended people. It's a good time to enjoy your family, to play board games with the kids, to just get some things done around the house you hadn't gotten done, and just to become tighter-knit. Yes, that's all wonderful. But how about repentance? How about atonement? How about going to the real core of the center of what the problem is? The problem isn't only that we haven't spent time together, the problem is, what do we do when we spend time together? How many heads of household are repenting themselves, let alone leading their people, their children in repentance? I'd venture to say, if you would ask most millennials what repentance is, they would go, oh, I don't know. Never been told. <laughs> They're not going to get it in a classroom, are they? They're not going to get it in our public school system that says, don't you dare bring up the name of God. Don't you dare pray in this place because somebody else has other rights. We've become so confused about the rights of people that want to dispel God that we allowed him to be expelled. I really don't care if I come under criticism for saying that God sent a plague. <laughs> because guess what? I have a whole Bible that tells me that. But people want to rewrite it. The plagues of Egypt. All kind of plagues. Well, we like this one. We've heard it used so many times. And I'm sure many sermons are being preached on it right now. Maybe, I hope, I pray. I pray that pastors everywhere are getting on their knees and repenting before God because how can we lead anybody else to repentance if we aren't the first ones in? As I ask the Lord again, Father, in this time, in this season of Yom Kippur, however long you let it persist, what should I do? And what should I declare for shepherds to do? Shepherds, people that lead sheep in God. And the Lord said to me, Son, tell my pastors, my sheep, to weep between the porch and the altar. Beloved, we weep for a day. We weep for a moment. We deep when the song and the worship really grabs our heart. 
But then what do we do? We then get silent. And we tolerate. Because after all, tolerance is moderation. My God, we would have had no Christian faith if Jesus was socially correct or a moderate. He attacked the religious system more than he attacked sin. Sin, he went to the root of the sin, not the sinner. He loved the sinner. But he exposed the sin and religiousosity bothered him. I've come to an awareness that there's another form of religion that has crept into our country and many other countries, and we legislate it, we adjudicate it. It's called politics. Politics has become a religion for most people. What are you? What party do you belong to? Well, if you belong to that party, then you must believe this, but I prefer to be a centrist right in the middle of the road, whatever that is. I had a wonderful dog who used to, husky that used to lay down in the middle of the road in the summer because it was cool. Guess what happened to him? It wasn't pleasant. The middle of the road's not the place to be. The middle of the road is a car wreck. So we love the scripture. If my people, <laughs> 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, most of you know it by heart, don't you? We've said it so many times, but we do it for a moment. We do it for a conference. We do it for a day of fasting. We do it when we want to respond to a crisis like 9-11, which lasted about a week. And then everybody returned to their ways. They just slipped back. Well, you see, that pause didn't work. And by the way, some of the people around the world, they didn't even pause. It didn't matter to them. People hungry and dying in other parts of the world, 9-11 wasn't a moment in their life. God's not allowing people to slip back. He's giving us an opportunity and a window of grace and mercy to hear the clarion call. What is a clarion call? It's a command. It's a large call that goes out for action to do something that's above and beyond. There's a clarion call for repentance in the earth right now. You know what would really impress me? If Congress would stop being busy about trying to figure out how to solve it economically and take one day off, not in their homes, not politicking, and, and, and can I ask the politicians to do something? Quit sending me emails to raise money up for your campaigns right now. Really? Do you realize what message you're giving out? I got an email that said, oh, this person is accusing me of this, and they're raising money right now against this, and I need to raise money against this. And by the way, nobody's going to be making any money for a couple months, but send me your, really? Wake up! And realize what the world is in right now. The world doesn't want to hear a message of investing into the religion of politics. You got us into this mess. How about you take a day off and you have people. Maybe I'm too radical for you, so get somebody who doesn't yell and is calm and stay in the chambers of 
Congress or Senate or the Supreme Court, boy, they could use a dose. And repent for a whole day for the nation. And legislate repentance. And just maybe that'll stop the plague. Just maybe God will look down from heaven. He has the authority and the power to do everything and anything. All we can do is stop gap. Another religion. We make them like baked cookies. We change the word of God. We philosophize the word of God. We modify it. We conform it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. What does that tell you? His ears are closed. A lot of prayers going up, but without repentance, they fall back down. Pastor Frank, that's harsh. Oh, my God is gracious. Yes! But his grace is not like that of an alcoholic who thinks they can just take another drink and not have a consequence. God has been very gracious, and he's still being gracious, and he wants to be the God full of grace, but he's looking for a people to respond. You know, my prayer is that every one who has a voice on television, in their churches, online, that we all call everyone to repentance. Because without it, we'll come out the other end of this sometime. I, when? I don't know. They say April, May, June, July, August. And then they're telling us, but it could come back. It's <laughs> not going to come back on me. Not because I'm different in the sense that I have an immune system that will withstand it all. No. I have a spiritual immunity. He's called my God, Jesus Christ. And so do you. If we walk in that obedience. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. Ho, 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 what? I will forgive their sin. What does he want to hear? I'm sorry. And I will change. It's not enough to be sorry and not change. It's not enough to keep kneeling down at the altar and repenting of the same sin over and over and over, or worse yet, ignoring the sin. You see, this is a clarion call first and foremost to the body of Christ, to the church. Forget about the world. We haven't been qualified enough to save a lost world because we can't save ourselves. We play and pick and choose our God. You see, we want to conform Him to the image of our doctrine, our denomination. Something that came from somebody somewhere that we've taught that we don't even bother to see if it's in the Word of God. But the last I knew in the very beginning of Genesis 1.26, it says we're created in His image, in His likeness. He's the creator, we're the creature. We can't create him. We have to transform into that image. And so, 
Let's go through this a moment. If my people are called by my name and they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, seek my face, seek my face, seek my face. For some people that means if he, something comes up on television that somehow is about God, that's seeking his face. And turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear. So let's do this. Which people is God talking about? My people. He didn't say the heathen, the pagan, the ones who have a false religion, the cult. My people. Last I knew, we're very proud to call ourselves Christians. 80% of the United States calls itself Christians. Other countries are working very hard to get the gospel out. Our brethren, our sisters in Pakistan working very hard. In Iran, they're being persecuted. In many parts of the world, they're sacrificing themselves and their lives to get the gospel out. And when someone becomes a Christian, they pay a price. But here, 80% Christians. And how many obey God? Identify which people? It's the body of Christ. Humble? How do you do that? Do I need to teach that? It's not an outward sign. It's an inward heart. Pray, pray. My people humble themselves and pray and pray. Pray for what? Oh, I pray I have enough money to pay my bills. Okay, that's a good one. But how about praying for an inward conversion? How about praying for a cleansing? How about praying for the repentance of your family, your neighborhood, your sphere of influence. Seek. you got to seek God. I had a wonderful dog, the best dog, I think, that was ever born on all the earth. His name was Boy, B-U-O-Y. He was big. He was a Malamu. He was trained in the things of, of, of arm and, 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 and seeking out drugs and, and weapons and protection, and he was obedient. He was the top of the line. And there was one word that I was taught to teach him to do, and he would become attentive and jump out, and he would not relent until he finished his assignment. And the word in the Dutch was souk, souk, and it meant seek, go for it, look for it. And I'd open the door and put him in a place, and he's going around until he found it. And then he would stand over it and bark and let us know it was there. Oh, that we might have the heart of a guard dog. And seek God like that until we find it. Repent. Oh, oh, oh. oh, pastor, that's so religious, repent. We hear it all the time, repent. You see, I agree, it's not a new message, but it's not an old message. To prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, and I don't know about you, but I am absolutely convinced he's coming. I was born for this. I live for this. You've been born for it. If you're alive now, quit trying to think about flying away and get ready to hang on for Jesus to come. I've been saying it a long time. I've had people tell me, but I prefer to think that I'm just going to be raptured out. Well, you could think about anything. I prefer to think that we don't have a coronavirus right now, too. But that's not going to change it. 
Reality is reality. If you can't see the times distressed right now, gross darkness over all the earth, a plague, a plague, many plagues. Do you know that 25% of the world right now is distressed with water? They're just worried about water. You think they're overwhelmed about the coronavirus in the middle of the desert right now? They got all the social distancing they need. Camels aren't even close to them. No monkeys, no bats, no rats, no people. <laughs> no Clorox wipes. They just want water. 25% of the world is distressed with water. HIV. Almost 400,000 people died of HIV since the beginning of the year. You think they're worried about coronavirus? And the Lord says, well, you have a lot of compassion for yourselves right now, but where has it been? Where has it been? And are you really going to change when I take my finger off the pause button? Or are you just going to loll back to sleep again? Are the bars just going to reopen is pornography just going to fly off the shelves? Are we going to go back to homosexual agendas? I don't care if you write and tell me you don't like me. I love you, but I don't like it because my God doesn't like it. Because it's sin. We need to stand and call sin, sin. And the consequences of sin, the wages of sin is death. Where's death come from? Darkness. What kind of death? Not eternal life. Eternal death. Because eternity is real. He said, I will hear if you repent. <laughs> How many of you say right now, I want to know that I know that I know that God hears my prayer right now. Yes, I do. You do. We all do. I want to know that he hears it. He says, then I will hear and I will forgive. Forgiveness comes before healing. I will heal your land. Oh my God, our land needs healed. I've got a weird prayer. You see, I, I have such faith that I believe God will like that. But if I pray, and if you pray, and if we agree that God's just going to do it quick to just fix a problem but not fix the people, have we cut short the message? Oh, I have great faith. And I know this word that God has given me is real. I just don't know how it will go everywhere. And I believe someone's preaching it somewhere and someone else, but I don't hear it everywhere. I don't hear the clarion call. I hear about a great awakening, but I don't hear about a great repentance. A clarion call. The call is to repentance. Our president did good calling for a day of prayer. He fell short of not calling for a day of repentance. Maybe it's not politically correct. Maybe the advisors around him thought it was stepping out too far. Maybe some other religions wouldn't have liked it. I don't know, but guess what? I don't care. Because that's not going to solve it. One day of prayer isn't going to solve a thing. It's a transformation and a change. The business of the ministry needs to be 
stopped. And we need to get in to our Father's business. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he shall supply everything that we need. So, we can blame God if we'd like, but we have a body of Christ that's saturated with sin. We have a nation that's reeking in sin into the nostrils of God. Full of human pride, arrogance, selfish motives, lust, greed, demented, perverted. And we legislate it. We let man try to determine what's right before God. And God, I'd like to tell you he's laughing, but this is no laughing matter. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. We have much to do. We have time to do it, don't we? <laughs> we like that message, or a lot of us preach it, oh, the times are short, but nobody seems to care. They seem to care more. We seem to care more about planning for our future five years and ten years from now than we do for today. The Lord says, don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. What he's telling us is, deal with today. God is not just whatever anyone wants him to be at whatever moment in their life they choose to mold him into their own image. He's God. Now this. Number 16, verse 46 through 48. It was the sin of Korah. Korah was a cousin to Moses. He was jealous that Aaron had been named the high priest in his family. He said, why not me? <laughs> why not me? Oh, you really want that? And so he does a little insurrection against the authority of God. Get the theme. Against the authority of God. And he puts himself in the place of God's order. But he's out of order. He doesn't fit in that order. And he persuades people to come with him, first 250, 250, and then thousands. And, and he determines that they're going to have their own incense, not the incense that God determined for Aaron to minister as a priest. And so they get their own incense, and they began to say that they're going to minister before God as priests, false priests before God, without the calling of God, out of order, and obviously not the heart of God. For what purpose? For self-indulgence. My God, ministries, listen to what I'm saying. Get out of the business of ministry for self-indulgence. So Korah, Moses gets angry. Lord! You know, and usually Moses was always asking, spare the people. This one, he said, do something to him. <laughs> he was mad. And God said, get away from him. Get away from him, because I'm about to deal with it. As they stepped aside, the earth opened up, and Korah and all of his ministry team <laughs> was 
sucked down into hell. But then God said this. He was angry with the people because they were out of order. Because they disputed his authority. Because they were trying to start a new religion and pervert his religion. It wasn't as if they said, let's just have a cult and start to worship ants. That God could laugh at. But they were trying to take the things of God and pervert them and contaminate them and make them into something else that was in order that have a form of godliness but no power therein. Hey! So here's what happens. Number 16. So Moses said to Aaron, because God told Moses, have Aaron take his rightful place. Church, take your rightful place. Body of Christ, take our rightful place. Wherever you're sitting, whatever you're doing right now, you're going to have a moment to either receive Christ or give your heart back to him. But take your rightful place. I'm speaking to families right now. Look at your children. If you don't teach them now how to deal with this, they won't know what to do when times get worse, and they're going to get worse, not better. A vaccine for corona, Satan, isn't going to save the world. Tell that to the family of the one who just lost a person to suicide. Hundreds by the hour. Ask him for a vaccine for that. I have it. He's called Jesus Christ. Then Moses said to Aaron, take your censer. Put incense in it. I I don't know how it happened here this morning, but I came out of my office, prayed up and pumped up, and I smelled incense. (laughs) I still smell it. I don't know if somebody lit incense in the house, but it smells good. Many times I've ministered where people said incense has come out. In the Word of God, incense is prayers and worship coming up. And in Revelation, it says it's the prayers of the saints put on the altar. And there's vials of prayers that come out from the prayers of the saints. And they're put on the altar as an incense up to the Lord. And the Lord smells this in the heavenly place through those divine nostrils and he releases showers of blessings but first the prayers have to make it to the altar and there has to be fire not a false fire not a false incense of Korah Moses said to Aaron take a censer and put fire in it from the altar You can't have fire from the altar unless you can go to the altar. The altar's a consuming fire. That fire, when it touches and hits, it will destroy anything that's not of God. Corona can't stand it. Corona Satan runs away with his tail on fire. And when it's burned to a rubble, it has no more identity The fire of God destroys whatever is not of God. But you got to go to the altar. And you can't go to the altar with unclean hands. If you've got grandchildren or children in front of you, pause a second and look at them. At least put their faces in your eyes. This is your legacy. Which one of you wants to see your children consumed? My grandchildren are 
trying to figure this out. They don't even remember 9-11. That was a blip in history. But they're going to remember this. What do we teach them in this? Oh, just lock yourself in your house, and when there's a vaccine, we'll all come back out. Oh, yes, really? Or do we say, let's repent together? Son, daughter, there's better for you. How about you shirk off your own definition of God and let God define himself to them and you? How about we not just shake sin off, but get cleansed of it? You got to go to the altar. And when you go to the altar, he says, put incense on it. Put prayer on it. And take it quickly. Take it quickly. Somebody say, take it quickly. Take it quickly. Don't wait. Don't wait. Take it quickly. What does that mean? Right now, suddenly, in this moment, in this day, in this hour, in this night, in this week, in this lifetime. Take it quickly. To the congregation. That's your sphere of influence, whatever it is. I don't have very many people here in front of me, but I'm so used to preaching into nothing, it's okay. <laughs> Not saying that the staff that's here to help is nothing. God bless you. I love you. You are essential. You're essential. The church is more essential than anything else on earth right now. I'm waiting to hear that come out of our leadership. Run to the congregation. Make atonement for them. Oh, my God. Stand between the porch and the altar. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. Wrath has gone out from the Lord. Wrath has gone out from the Lord. You see, if it's God, we're not in chaos. We're not out of control. He's sovereign. That's a good word for me. I don't care about your religion. I don't say, oh, we need to defend God. No, we don't need to defend God. We need to ask God to defend us. Don't fear the one who can kill you, but afterwards can cast you into hell. Is that an evil God or is that a just God? That's ultimate judgment and justice. So we're to think that God isn't the one who controls plagues. For wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. Let's go to the next verse. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded. Beloved, I'm not Moses, but I am an oracle of God. I'm his voice to you right now. If he didn't use me, he'd use a chicken or a dog or a horse. That's how important I am. I know who I'm not, but I do know who I am. And Aaron ran into the midst of the assembly. You're home. We have so many ways to reach people on social media. You know what? I don't go to Facebook. I don't, I'm not going to name anything that I almost did. Go to whatever you have. Go to, go to Facebook. Go to Twitter. Go to everything that you have. Publish it. Email it. But put the repent news of God and the good news of God on. I really don't want to hear that you cleaned out your refrigerator today on social media. And I really don't care if you got a new haircut. I'm sorry. It's unimportant in my life. 
What does excite me when somebody says, my child received the Lord today. And they said they were afraid and I was able to tell them about Jesus. I get excited. Because that changes a life. Beloved, whether you cleaned your refrigerator out today or nothing, does nothing for me. He ran into the midst of the assembly and already the plague had begun among the people. It's not too late. It's not too late. In fact, it's just right. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. He put up the prayers. But Aaron went holy. Aaron went anointed. Aaron went on assignment. We're getting the assignment of God to repent. You know, I love the Italian people. I is one. <laughs> I'm an Italian Jew. We're crazy people. You saw the Italians, how they were dealing with it on their balconies. La sola mia, la ti contrata. And somebody answering him, doing the tarantella. And somebody else on a balcony and they're singing back and forth to each other. How about if they were yelling back and forth, repent, Jesus is coming. The Pope's a good man, but he didn't have an answer. He was kissing babies and hugging people right in the midst of it and got sick himself. Huh? He went to an empty church. That was good. But I didn't hear him call the world to repentance. Maybe the message will get to him. He has a lot of authority, a lot of power. And listen to this. Aaron stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. When I got that, I said, Lord, really? He said, son, I will stop it abruptly. So I became Abraham. <laughs> but, 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 Lord, can I find 100 people? But, 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 but Lord, can I find 50? Can I find 25? Can I find 10? Can I find two righteous people for you to stop the plague? And he said, son, you tell my people this. I'm a God who sees everything. If they stand between the living and the dead with repentance and I hear them from heaven, I will stop the plague where they are at. I said, wow. Does that mean in Canfield, Ohio, you'll stop it? He said, yes, son. If you stand on the rooftops and declare it and repent it, I will stop it. Oh, I feel the anointing of God right now. Wherever you're at, you're feeling it. If you do it in your home, he will stop the plague. If you do it in our state, governor, he will stop the plague. Governor, why don't you stand up in front of the people? I don't care what your denomination or religion is. I know you're a Christian. Why don't you call us to a week of repentance, huh? That's an easy thing to stick in those daily news things. It's nice you shut down beauty shops, but hey, how about getting us to our knees? President Trump, are you listening? Stop the plague. There's the answer. It's in the Word of God. It's declared by a man of God. 
It's standing on the firm foundation of the Word of God with a fresh revelation for this time. It said that if we will do those things, we will be able to stand and overcome in the evil day. So, Father, we declare, all of us all over this earth right now, whatever time zone you're in, in Israel, in Pakistan, in Singapore, in this nation, let us declare together that we repent. We repent for ourselves. We repent for our families. We repent for our neighborhoods. We repent for our states, our nations. It's so big, Father. It's too big of a repentance for us, but it's not too big of a forgiveness from you. My God, hear our cries. And let us make a covenant with God that we are going to change our hearts. It's a tough one. Make it and mean it. Begin to practice it. Begin to teach your children the ways of God. Begin to be bold. You know, when we decided to do this, I didn't just pick through my contact list. Those who were Christians, I made sure I went through my contact list for the ones who maybe aren't getting the Word of God all the time, maybe aren't being able to listen to a word. Be bold right now. Reach out to somebody, your lawyer, your doctor, whoever it is. Tell them, I'm not calling you for anything. I've got good news for you. We can stop the plague if we repent. Cry out to God. Give our hearts to Christ. We can stop the plague. Finally this, as our team comes back up, please, for worship. The snapshot of the world at this moment is a fearful one. As I was praying very late last night, <laughs> a strange word came to me, one I'd never preached on before, and that word was autopsy. <laughs> well, the definition of an autopsy is an examination of a body after death. <laughs> To determine the cause of death or the character and extent of changes produced by disease. It's to examine and determine the cause. And then I added, and oftentimes to avoid repeating the same thing. This is a spiritual autopsy with a spiritual pause of a Yom Kippur season, with a spiritual answer for victory to stand between the living and the dead. To raise up the incense of God with holy hands upon the burning altar of his fire. And to ask God to spare his people. Why? So that we and they are saved. Eternal life. 
You know, if I could have a little help here, please, for a moment. I want to get this right out front. We're going to have communion. I hope that you've gotten some bread and some juice. And I would ask again that you shake off your religious mindset. You say, but, you know, in my church, it's, you know, one church and one communion. Really? Do you expect when you go to heaven that only your church is going to make it? <laughs> what a colorful group of people we're going to be in the heavenly places. Thank you. A diverse group. You know, we, we love to lift up diversity. <laughs> Except we lift up the wrong diversity. We love inclusion, except we include sin. And then we exclude our brothers and sisters. Whatever you have in your house right now, take a moment, go get it. Get some bread, get a cracker. You know what, if you don't have either of those, get a chocolate bar, I'll pray over that too. Get some juice. You say, I don't have juice, then get some water. There was a time in my life when I lived in a home by myself with no electricity, no plumbing, no water, no heat, no food. But I always found something to have communion with that day, sometimes twice a day. My God showed up every day, every hour. And he's going to show up right now. Do you know what corona means? It's a crown. It's a crown. But it's the wrong crown. This corona, convid Satan, is the wrong crown. That's not the crown that's supposed to be on our heads. God says in Revelation 1.6 that he has made us a nation of priests and kings unto our God. Priests and kings... Kings wear crowns. It's a crown of righteousness. It's a, a crown of redemption, a crown of salvation, a crown of power. It's a crown that all of the spiritual world sees upon the one that has received Jesus Christ. Marked for him. As the word says, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Satan would love to steal our crown, but it's because of the crown that Jesus Christ received on his way to the cross, a crown of thorns. You see, I know I was one of those thorns. I know it. And I know you were too. It wasn't enough. They put it on his head. They pressed it down deep into the tissues of the crown of his head so that blood streamed down after they'd lashed his back 39 times, whipping him raw. Each one, as Isaiah said, to receive our diseases, our sins. He didn't just die for your sins, he died for our diseases. That's why I'm confident. That's why in my lifetime I've been able to overcome my fears and. Pick up a woman soaked and drenched 
in her last day of life, oozing out of her body AIDS in Africa. I could have left her there, but all she wanted was some arms to love her for a moment. And these arms became the arms of Jesus. That's why I've walked into many hospital rooms where it says, don't come in. I didn't want to scare the person who was trying to hold on to life and ask for the mass. So I just came in and anointed them because he took my diseases. I'm not telling you to be foolish. I'm telling you, don't be fearful. Our Jesus. And now he wants us to take our crown. He wants us to remember his crown. Excuse me. I'd like everybody listening all over the world, wherever you are, to say this prayer with me. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, today is the day. Today is the day. And you can stop the plague. Yes, you can. And if you have and you said, Lord, I thought I was okay, but I now realize I'm not, then let's get a little closer. Let's repent. Repeat these words after me, please. Father God, I believe you are almighty. It is against you and you alone that I have sinned. Thank you, Lord, for sending your only son to be my sacrifice for my sins and the sins of my people. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, was God, and always shall be my Lord. He died a death on the cross. He took my sins. He descended into hell. He paid the price, and then he resurrected. And because he lives, I have hope. Father, forgive me. Forgive us. Forgive us, oh Lord. Forgive us. Save us. Savior, redeem us, mighty one. Come into our hearts, fresh, renewed, pure. Let these hands be holy before you. Send your fire, God. Send your fire into my spirit into my heart, into my soul. Let me be a minister in the flame of fire to those you give me. 
Jesus, you're my Lord. Holy Spirit, flood me with your peace. In Jesus' name. Forgive me, but I'm not too sorry. Now I see what the Lord said. Tell my ministers to weep between the porch and the altar. This isn't just emotion. This is a broken heart for the body of Christ. We must weep between the porch and the altar. It's not business as usual. It's a season of atonement. It's our Yom Kippur. In his last supper, Pesach, Jesus said, I've been waiting for this moment. Can you imagine? He's on his way to the cross. He says, I've been waiting for this moment to have supper with my disciples, with you. And they set out in the emporium what is typical the little things of a Seder. Oh, I love Seders. And it came to the time when they had drank of two cups, the first cup, the second cup, and there's four, and they came to the third. And at that moment, he took the bread. He broke the bread. And he passed it to the right and to the left. And he said, take and eat. This is my flesh. This is my body broken for you. They didn't understand. But the power of God was so strong, they didn't ask a question. You may not understand it all right now. But if you've received Jesus Christ, I'm telling you there's going to be a supernatural power released in this communion for you. And as they were wondering what was happening, how this Lord on earth was altering the ritual of Seder, they took and they ate the bread. He gazed at them with his hands open. The glory of God upon his face. As he began to take in everything that was about to happen to him, he knew. The Lamb of God They didn't have to drag him to the cross. He carried his own cross as far as he could. Crown of thorns. Each one of those thorns, you and me, crushed into his head. They nailed him through his hands, through his feet. it came time for the third cup 
He lifted the cup. He said the prayer over the cup. This is the prophetic cup. If you will, the messianic cup. The one that has anticipation and expectation of the Messiah. He tells them, drink. This is my blood of the new covenant. Drink unto life. This is my blood for the remission of your sins. Drink. Communion is not a ritual. Communion is the most intimate fellowship with the one who's the author of communion. The one whose body and blood are the sacraments of communion. I firmly believe that right now as I release this prayer, that God is going to supernaturally deal with you. I pray in the name of Jesus that if there be anything unhealthy in your body, that he heals it right now. I pray that depression and fear and anxiety lift right now because he hasn't given us fear but a mind that's sound. I pray that where you have doubt, you receive faith. I pray that where you have a wonderment about tomorrow, that you receive the confidence of today. I pray that your heart and my heart do not leave what we've received as a ritual at this moment, but we take it with us for a betterment of life. I pray that as you shower up the incense of prayer from yourself, from your home, from wherever you're at, that this incense will go between the living and the dead. You shall not die, you shall live. You shall not be an instrument that's contagious, but you shall be an instrument that only has one contagion, excitement for God. Shout it from your balcony. Shout it from your rooftops. Shout it out your windows. Hit your horns. Get on to your social medias. Send a message. Publish it. The word of the Lord is true. You can stand on it. You can believe it. He's a strong tower. He's mighty. He's our God. Today, I believe, is a turning point. Not because I've released it, but because I believe God is releasing it. I pray that this message come out of lips all over this world and that we repeat it and refine it and release it. A message of repentance before God and a message that he will stop the plague. Not by power, not by the might of man, 
but by my spirit, says your Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. I'd like to hear from you. You know, this is an invisible congregation. I'm used to it. Years of radio staring at a microphone. Some years of looking into a camera. But there's something different. There's an anointing that's going on because I believe that because people are taking a pause in time, that this is a special window for us to communicate, to fellowship, to begin to fuse together as a body of Christ. So I would encourage you to go to my website, to be able to reach out to us. Tell us who you are, where you are, so that we can reach back to you. We're not trying to build a population. That's what they call it in social media, I think. We're trying to build the body of Christ, to build a church for Jesus Christ, to prepare a kingdom here on earth. We need to do it together. Now, just like any church, any ministry right now, we, we have no idea, physically idea, how our finances are going to come in. We usually pass the offering plate, and some of you send something in. Now we're totally reliant on your generosity, your heart, your giving from wherever you are. I'll share this with you. We don't spend the money to buy TV time. And I don't mean others shouldn't. I'm just telling you we don't. We don't spend the money to provide the pastors a car. We don't receive salaries. Most of the time we pay our own expenses. Just like you, I work. <laughs> I don't know where the income's coming tomorrow. Everything's shut down, but I know who my source is. He's never let me down. He won't let you down too, but I don't stop my giving. I told you I was locked in a house, nothing. I still found something to give. Somehow I found $5 to give every week. I don't know how I did it. I think I sold something. I forget. Until I had nothing left. Somebody would show up and give me something for food. I'd give it to God. <laughs> Did God give me some more? I give some more to him. I get some more. I give some more to him. It's in these times especially that we don't rob God. I can promise you this. This ministry is a good steward. We make a difference to some of the poorest places in the earth where we're their only ray of hope besides their God. So, go to the website push a button. It's called Donate. I call it the donut button. The one, the cinnamon with the little seeds upon it. Do what the Lord will let you do. We appreciate it. I have a vision. I have a dream for this moment. It's an expensive one, not for us. Pray for me. I'm going to be going to some people and I'm going to be asking them to help us. And this is mostly for this community where we live and because I feel we need to do something in our own community. Not that others aren't, but I know what he told us to do. It costs some money, but he'll do it. Because right now people are hungry and open 
and waiting. So if God really puts it on your heart, you got some extra money sitting around and you don't know what it is. I know what I need. You're going to rock out of your chairs because this is big money for this ministry. I know we need $50,000 to do this. But the Lord gave it to me. When we did Revival One, we needed $88,000. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. That's big stuff for us. Real big. But we're going to do it. And God promised me a harvest with it. One that won't change for Him. I want to thank you. I am honored to serve you. I invite you to stay in touch with what we're doing. If you get TCT on your television or you can pick it up on your live streaming, on your internet, then five days a week, tomorrow, Eastern time, through Friday, myself and Tom Nolan and Kathy and Judge Brown, we're a panel that's coming to you live, 2.30 to 4 o'clock Eastern time, every day. We're coming with the word of the Lord. We're receiving it from some other people all over the earth. We have Israel, Pakistan, Pastor Anwar, Samuel Smajda, Mani Irfan representing Iran. We have somebody from Singapore, all over the world calling in. China, so that we can share the Lord. Eastern time, tune in. I do want to hear from you. And I'm going to ask you to do what some old Southern Baptist pastor taught me a long time ago. He said, pray for me, son. You need the prayers, and I need the practice. God bless you. Now, I'm going to invite you to stay tuned with us. We're going to go into worship. We sort of inverted it, but you know what? What else you have to do? Take the dog out, hurry up, and come back. Don't worry about eating. Your food will be there. Your refrigerator's not going anywhere. Nobody really needs to hear about your day right now. You don't have to run off to work. Ha! How about we worship? Stay on as long as you'd like. You never know what happens with worship in this house. We usually move into the prophetic. God does stuff. God bless you. We love you. Tune back in with us next week and stay tuned because we're going to be interrupting your lives over the next few days with stuff.